Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I think this is my favorite episode so far, but it also highlighted what I think is probably my main issue with Farscape. Uh-huh. I think maybe not on this podcast, but in podcasts in the past, I've talked about my action movie rule. Yes, that every action movie should be one fight scene shorter. Yes, that every uh, action movie, looking at you, Marvel, but, you know, overall, every action movie would work better if they cut one set piece. And that's sort of what I get out of Farscape, except it's less... It's more, this show needs to be about 13 minutes shorter. Well, I mean, it really is bound to the broadcast structure. And I think it would really benefit if it was on a streaming platform, which obviously didn't exist when the show was first airing. But you're right, some episodes could stand to be a few minutes shorter. And later on in the series, they're going to start doing these amazing three-parters that if they were on a Netflix or a Hulu or a disney plus model they could do a 90 minute episode and a 30 minute episode it could be as my old english teacher used to say about our essays as long as it is good Hmm. yeah it's just a thing where when we're watching farscape i keep on thinking okay the only reason that this scene is in the episode is to drag out the runtime i i can see that also i want to say i knew this would be your favorite episode And mostly that's because this episode is a flat-out fantasy episode. I love that about this episode, and I suspect it's a bit divisive because of that. The answer in this episode is, a wizard did it. There's no techno-babble explanation from Aldous's powers. He's just a wizard. Oh, we should say, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8, That Old Black Magic. Yes. I mean, I think the main reason I like this is because it's a Xan episode, and it's a Xan episode that plays with her powers and her relationship to said powers. I can see that. Yeah, it is a great episode for her. She's not my favorite character, and I, and yet in this episode, I just really felt for her. Uh, we should actually get into the episode before talking about this, but apparently the direction she takes in this episode isn't really a hint of what they do with her character later. <sighs> yeah, unfortunately. God, we'll talk about it when we get to the very end of this episode, but I would like it so much more if the things they're hinting at, had been her plot. Uh, This episode was directed by Brendan Mayer, who directed no other episodes of Farscape. Hmm. Yeah, he did a bunch of TV, but this is his only Farscape credit. And it was written by Richard Manning, who wrote a bunch of episodes of Farscape. And it kind of makes sense because he did Throne for a Loss, Mm -hmm. which is another episode about a character who is kidnapped, captured, and isolated from the rest of the crew. Yeah, and also one of, I think, the stronger episodes that we've looked at thus far. Yeah, and he also wrote, which we haven't seen yet, but we have coming up, Won't Get Fooled Again, which is another just off-the-walls batshit episode, so... And and one of my favorites, by the way. Won't Get Fooled Again is probably one of my favorite episodes. So... I, for- I'm sorry, I just... I, I'm sorry, listeners, I just really want to show him a picture of Rigel in the Dominatrix outfit, but I'm gonna... I'm gonna... Wait till we get to that episode. Okay. <laughs> it's a great episode. But this episode. This episode addresses something you've been mentioning about Farscape so far. Where the fuck is Crace? Where the fuck is Crace? Yes, he's right the fuck here. Yeah, well, and it's funny. In the director commentary for this episode actually addresses 
the whole thing with Crace, mm -hmm. which was that they were afraid to put him in too many episodes because they didn't want it to seem ridiculous that he just missed them every week and undercut him as a villain. Went too far in the other direction there. I think you're right about that. I mean, I get you don't want your evil space dictator to become Team Rocket, but at the same time, he's in the goddamn opening credits. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what Buffy did with the Master in season one? Like, he wasn't in every episode, but we'd cut to him sometimes, so we knew he was there. Yes, exactly. So you ready to get into it? Yes, let's get into That Old Black Magic. That Old Black Magic. By the way, you are listening to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Do not be confused. There is also a Charmed episode called That Old Black Magic. These two shows are having more overlaps than I thought they would. Right? So we open with the Farscape crew going on one of those wee little ships down to some planet somewhere to try to find medication for medication for Rigel, who is sick because... God, is he an albatross around the neck of this show. Oh, poor Rigel. Yeah, he is. This is another thing that I like where they just start the episode. It's funny because you talk about pacing issues, but one of the things I like about the episodes is they do not care if it starts, like, it feels like this one starts in the middle of a scene where Zan's like, all right, let's get the medicine for Rigel. Yeah, which I like. I like when stories start in media res, which... In the middle of things. Yes. So, John is being the country mouse going to a big city market. Aw, he's, he's, he's an earth mouse. Yes, he's playing with this very ugly, cute, two-headed, monstery thing. It's a little, it's a little monstery bird thing. I like it. Yeah, it's very cute in an ugly way. It's called a trelkez. And Aaron's like... Oh, stop that he's like can it hurt me and she's like no it's just uh you know it's food don't play with food she tells him that the one that he has discovered is puny because it only has two heads and the brains are the part you eat and he's like you you cook and eat their brains and she's like no we eat them raw actually she's like no we eat them raw god <laughs> what kind of backwater planet are you from so while Zan is looking for the medicine for Rigel, she encounters a guy who is red. A guy who is red. Yeah, the character's name is Liko, and he's this, like, magenta guy. I really do believe that when they filmed this episode, the intention was for him to be a Delvian. But later, when we see other Delvians, more of Zan's people, they're all blue like she is. So, But I do think originally they thought either they would be multicolored or that the men would be magenta and the women would be blue. But that's not what happens when we see other Delvians, and his race is never stated. So just some magenta alien guy. Presumably he's like a cousin race, like the what's-it-my-buckets were to uh, Dargo. Yeah, I mean, he must be because they both are... Well, he says he's a high priest later, and they both have the same brand of mysticism, so that makes sense. Meanwhile, John is being accosted by the thing that turned me off of Star Trek The Next Generation. A jester? Okay, wait, so... Wait, wait. Sorry, go ahead. Tell me what turned you off Star Trek The Next Generation. So, back when I was in college, uh, I had a friend who tried to get me into Star Trek, and he did so by showing me, I think it's the first episode of Next Gen... But Encounter at Far Point? 
Is that the thing where they meet Q and he puts them on trial? Yes. Yeah, and I got, like, 15 minutes into the episode where Q's poofing himself into all of these different costumes, and I'm like, I I just can't. I'm sorry, this is too stupid for me. This is just the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Okay, this is really weird because your Star Trek experience is the polar opposite of my Star Trek experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Because my first Star Trek experience was flipping through channels, coming to the next-gen episode where the female Q, the the girl who's realizing she has Q powers, Amanda. Uh, The Mary Q episode, if you will. I mean, I don't like that term because I feel like it's gendered, but oh my god, that episode. But yeah, that was the first episode of Star Trek I saw, and I was like, bad fucking ass. Yeah, yeah, I'm into this show. So it's funny that we had these polar opposite reactions. Also, I wasn't going to make the Maldus Q connection, despite the fact that on the director's commentary, they very, very much try to make the Maldus Q connection. Because I was like, okay, come on. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here, guys. But I guess... I guess they are not wrong, because that was your first inclination. Yeah, although I don't count that as the first episode I saw, because I did not make it all the way through. I think I made it to the part where he froze a guy, and he's like, I'm putting you on trial, and Picard did grumpy cat face, and I was like, I just... So you count as your first episode the first episode I showed you, which is the Highland Sex Ghost episode. Yeah, which at least is all in. I feel like it swings too far from the silly to serious thing season one of star trek the next generation Mm -hmm. much like season one of parks and rec is very bad honestly i think it takes there are some good episodes in there unlike season one of parks and rec but i really think it takes next generation two full seasons to find its feet it it doesn't start being really great until season three Mm. the growing the beard thing that's the mark right there's there's before beard and after beard I just, BB and AB. And the thing is, I do like ultra silly and very serious things. I even like them when they're mixed together, but something about something about Next Gen just doesn't really work for me. But Maldus worked for you. Or did you have... Well, how did you feel about Maldus? Okay, not to reuse a joke I already used once in this podcast, but you spend way too much time playing with this food. At a certain point, I'm like, what are you getting out of this, dude? Come on. Okay, okay. I like Maldus, but again, I feel like they needed to play him less than they did. I appreciated that, to repeat what you said, he goes all in. I also like that the, he appears in three different guises. This jester, an old man kind of wizard character, and then his true form of Maldus. And they're all three the same actor, but I feel like you don't see that right away he seems a lot younger as this jester who's fucking with john so uh here is what happens this jester approaches john and begins to give him a a hot read he tells him as opposed to a cold read a a hot read is when the psychic in question has sent someone into the audience and discovered things about you and is able to read you by already knowing things as opposed to a cold read where you just say things that would apply to almost everyone in the population. Although in this case, his the source of his hot reading is literally being a psychic space vampire who's literally reading John's mind. 
Yeah, fair. He, he's not a fraud. That's true. That's true. So he tells John that he knows all about him. He knows that he is from Earth. He knows he wants to go home. He knows Crace is hunting him. And then just to prove that he knows things that he couldn't have heard in the marketplace, he knows that John lost his virginity to Karen Shaw in the back of a minivan. Although John corrects him that it was in the back of a four-by. Hmm. I just... Max, and any of our listeners who have not watched Farscape already, just remember that. John lost his virginity to Karen Shaw in the back of a four-by. Is that like a pickup truck or... Yeah, it's a pickup truck. Ah. Uh. Huh. So that hat has this kind of day-glow safety thing on the top of it. Like, it's a je- it's a jester hat around the sides, but the top of it looks like uh, the sort of thing you wear to stop from getting hit by cars if you're working on the road. Oh, yeah, like a little reflector dish. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of is running through the rest of his outfit as though it is warning John. Ooh, nice. Mm. Yes. John, however, is stupid and agrees to meet with this dude's master and gets teleported into a wizard den. Yes, uh, to the den of the wizard Haloth. John, by the way, is wearing his old, like, his first couple of episodes outfit, the orange, this isn't NASA suit. Well, he's wearing his flight suit, right? So he's not just wearing his normal outfit, on you know, his normal BDUs. He's actually wearing the flight suit that goes over it. Which is weird. I guess I can see why the costume director did it as a choice, because it really highlights John's earthly otherness, whereas his BDUs, I mean, that could just be anybody. Mm. I'd have gone with just the jacket, though. The bright orange flight suit is kind of a weird look. Yeah, it, it, again, I know I say this every episode, basically, so it kind of loses its power after a while, but this feels like it probably should have been earlier in the run. Like, this feels really... Like, it should be the second or third episode. You think you're saying that now. You're really going to say that next week. Ugh. But maybe it's just that the show took its time getting started. Every episode feels like it should have been earlier because they didn't rush things. So, meanwhile, Johnny Satanface is showing... Uh, by Johnny Satanface, you mean you mean Liko, right? Because... Liko, yes. Because a character's actually named John, so... Oh, yeah, I can't use my Johnny job. Johnny descriptive Johnny descriptive phrase is probably going to get confusing. Yes. Liko is showing Zan around his shop. He's got all these fancy herbs. It's almost like he's a pa'u of some sort. Also, he's like super seductive about it when he shows it to her. He's like super into showing her his wares. And she's like super buying what he's selling, if you know what I mean. Finally, someone in the universe as horny as I am. Yeah, basically. Which, I like the framing here. Like, we're sort of seeing them through very soft focus. And and we're kind of seeing them, like, from behind shelves or between products. It's almost like we're getting to steal a glance of an intimate moment. Yeah, that's the exact word I was looking for. It's very intimately shot, even though they're standing on opposite ends of the shop, it's all very close-ups that are sort of boxed in. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and it, and it works too because, as you said, they're on opposite ends of the shop. They're not even in the same shot, and I'm buying it. I I, I just joke that Zan is buying it. I'm buying it. I'm like, yeah, you two, you make it happen. 
I'm surprised that Zan's playing coy here. I mean, they're they're both flirting really hard, but I figured by now Zan would be like, oh, thrown down. I mean, she's playing coy. Hmm. And it's never anything but clear that she's playing. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in Haloth's den, uh, Haloth is telling John that he can't send him home. That's beyond his powers. But uh, he can help him out with his whole crease problem. He can't send him home and he can't point him in the right direction. But what he can do is give him some man-on-man therapy. Well, John, as a bard, believes that all he needs is five minutes alone with Crace, where he can weave his bardic charm. And Crace will be like, oh, I understand now. Who cares that my brother's dead? I will definitely stop hunting you to the ends of the uh, Uncharted Territories. I mean, I guess I can see why he thinks that, seeing as he hasn't seen him in seven episodes. Also, I mean, even when he did see him, he did not see... What we're about to see, which is the depths to which Crace has sunken. It's funny, this episode um, makes a few Wizard of Oz references, and of course we've talked about how essentially all of Farscape is a Wizard of Oz reference. Mm-hmm. But let's not forget that the ship they're sailing in is the Leviathan, and Crace is really living in Moby Dick, right? Every other character is living in Wizard of Oz, but Crace is living in Moby Dick. Yes. And we're going to get to see some real Ahab shit go down this episode. Okay, so Crace and Pilot are the same guy? Yes, they're both played by Lonnie Tupu. Which I thought was really cool, and I didn't recognize the two of them the first time during the pilot, the only time when we had these two characters in the same episode. But it's really obvious in this episode. He sounds exactly like Pilot. Well, a real helpful thing to keep it from being too obvious, which you might not have even noticed... Is that Pilot is not in this episode at all? Is that Pilot does not appear in this episode. But on Crease's ship, he's storming around and wanting to find the man who killed his brother. Meanwhile, his underlings are reported back to him that... Everybody is exhausted from essentially being on a hunt for 24 hours a day, every day. And Grace doesn't care. His lieutenant, his second in command, his his Riker, if you will, mm. Lieutenant Orr, comes to tell him that they've received a message from Peacekeeper High Command. And they are not happy that he's wasting all of this time and all of these resources on hunting down one dude who killed a really, really incompetent soldier. Yeah, I mean... Can't blame him. So back at Haloth's place, Haloth is telling John that he can bring Crace there, John can, like, do his thing, and then... The two of them can be besties forever. Yeah. Yeah. Haloth is like a mediator, you know? It's like, like arbitration. Like mediated arbitration. Spoiler alert, it is not. So then Haloth goes off to get things prepared while John wanders around the space 1980s set that is Haloth's manor. Yes. Meanwhile, Krace is putting in a hologram from High Command where Captain Eyepatch is telling him, hey, dude. Um, excuse me. Admiral Eyepatch? Admiral Eyepatch. Where Admiral Eyepatch is telling him, hey, dude, you have our ship. You're using it for non- I don't know, peacekeeper-related business. Cut that shit out. Come home and murder some, I don't know, space orphans or whatever. Yeah, you know, like peacekeepers do. And Crace is like, 
Fuck murdering those space orphans. I need to get revenge! He confirms with Lieutenant Orr that nobody else has seen this message or even knows that he got a message. Lieutenant Orr, a.k.a. Blonde Lady. Yes. Yeah. And Are we in Charmed? I know, right? She kind of makes it clear to Crace that her first loyalty is to him. She seems to be kind of in love with him. And that she's going to support him, not high command, and he's glad to hear that. So, Haloth shows up to teleport Crace to his, to his, to his... Brain room? Brain room! Yeah, okay. Because he's only taking their minds. This is sort of the first time we get a hint of that. Yes, because we see Crace faint. He passes out. And then we see him inside of the, the brain room. Yes. So, he tries to beat the shit out of wizard guy. Haloth. Haloth. But he just goes straight through him because, surprise, this isn't a real place. And from the shadows comes John. Oh my god, it's so awkward too because John is clearly unaware that they're there and that they can see him. So he's just kind of standing around with his arms crossed, like literally leaning against the wall being like, la la la. It's the sort of thing where you're awkwardly waiting in your friend's house for them to, like, get changed or whatever. It, that's exactly what it looks like. So, outside of the mind lair, Aaron and Dargo are looking for John, and Dargo's like, Don't worry, I'm a warrior guy, I can smell him. Oh, wow, look, it's something vaguely useful he's doing. Hey, it's totally useful. He brings them to John's unconscious body in the alley where we saw him talking to the jester. Yes, so they find John... He's alive but unconscious, and meanwhile, Haloth is fake fretting because he's he's doing this like whole song and dance for John about how, oh no, I, I brought I brought Crace here, but he's not listening to me. Maybe it's because I'm an evil wizard. Yeah, then he trans, yeah, then he transforms from his like friendly old wizard persona to his evil vampire wizard persona. So now he's Maldus, so we can call him Maldus now. Okay. I do love how John is like, okay, I, I didn't really have context for you before this, so... Uh, no, seriously, what cracks me up about this is that Maldus already had John trapped in his mind palace, okay? And he already knew about his antagonism with Crace. At this point, he didn't need to pretend anything. There was nothing to be gained by pretending to be a kindly wizard. He just did it for the lulls. Ugh, God. He's he's a troll. He's a wizard, but he's literally a troll. Oh, yeah, but he's not even a... I don't want to say good troll. He's not even an effective troll, though. Wait, he is a troll, though, because we learn the deal is that he feeds off all of these negative emotions. He's not an effective troll, though. Because what was the point of the good wizard thing? We know he feeds off of negative emotions, but as soon as John went to his mind palace, he could have gone full Maldus and been like, I'm going to make you confront your worst enemy. He didn't have to do the, I'm a kindly old wizard. Why don't you wait in my living room for four minutes while I get your worst enemy so you can hash things out? Yeah, that is weird. It's weird. He just likes to play dress up, okay? Uh, it, it was like that guy who kept on sending me all those weird messages on Tumblr. You remember the weird Poison Ivy guy who... Yeah, but he never transformed into a weird vampire guy. I don't even know what his endgame was. 
Yeah, that was weird. Sometimes I see him sending anonymous messages to other people, like other people try to respond to him, and I'm like, you just, you need to block this guy. It's weird when you have a troll that's based on fandom stuff you post, and then you see because other people are responding to his anonymous stuff that he's sending, like he's literally cutting and pasting and sending them to people. Yeah. So like he's going through and anyone who posts about Ivy, he like cuts and pastes and sends it to them. I had a guy who I assume was similar. I, I never saw the things other places, but they were so random. I assumed they were just cut and paste about She-Hulk when I wrote about She-Hulk. Mm. Were they better written than this guy? No. Hey, it might have been the same guy. <laughs> it's just, it's very bizarre trolling, so I don't feel like it's effective trolling. Like, isn't effective trolling, I don't know... You should get really angry and then go to defend yourself. And then he, like, gets to laugh because you got yourself worked up in a lather. Yeah, it's the South Park thing. Whoever has emotions loses. loses. Except, I guess, is confused in emotion. Yeah, no, I don't think this guy's trolling you. I think this guy really has a lot of feelings about Poison Ivy that he wants you to know about. Well, I'm saying he's similar to Maldus in that... This is more confusing than anything else. Is confusion one of the negative emotions Maldus feeds off of? Oh, burn on Maldus. But yeah, you're right. It's more confusing than infuriating. It's, see, it also feels like the, okay, this this episode had some time to kill. Yeah, yeah. They could have cut everything that happens with Haloth. They could have gone straight to Maldus, cut exactly the right amount of time, and we would have lost nothing from the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So... Zan is scanning John to try to figure out what happened to, you know, the non-meat suit part of John. Yeah, since he's unconscious, so, you know, where's his brain? And Dargo comes out with a person that he just, like, grabbed off the street who apparently... I, I mean, he must have done some investigating to discover that this person says she saw John, but he's Dargo. I don't know what kind of investigating he possibly could have been doing. He starts hissing at her. That's just... just that's well, just the sound Luxons make when they're angry. Is it? Yes. Does this come back later? Well, he hisses when he's angry. Wow, I thought this was one of those really stupid things, like Rigel farting helium, but apparently it's a really stupid thing that will carry through to the rest of the show. It's just his anger noise. It's not threatening. It sounds like he's deflating at her. No, he's like... <sighs> he's like... <sighs> <sighs> this must be fairly fun for the listeners of the podcast. <laughs> He's just shaking this little hooded woman and he's like, Dude, give me the information. And she's like, I don't know. I just saw him getting kidnapped by the... She does not say she saw him getting kidnapped. She said she saw him going alone into a place. Mm. Also, I just want to point out she's also magenta. So heavy implication that Lyco is a member of whatever race is on this planet. Mm. We do not see a lot of her. Like, she, I, I feel like that might have been a makeup thing. They're like, okay, you're going to wear a full cloak, and we're going to see, like, part of your nose. She's almost completely covered in a cloak. And so, a game I like to play when I'm watching Buffy or Charmed, mm -hmm. which is, based on how people are dressed, what is the weather here? I'm assuming it's a colder planet, and that's why John's wearing his full John, astronaut thing. John's wearing his full flight suit. Also, Zan is wearing, a, is wearing her more furry outfit because mm. she has two outfits she has one that's all gossamer and one that's more furry she's wearing the more furry outfit and she's wearing a cloak or a hood this girl's wearing a hood and i well, mean dargo and aaron are just wearing their normal outfits but i mean we know uh aaron species runs hot naturally 
And Dargos does too, so that makes sense. Lyco is wearing... Okay, so I'm gonna say the phrase a beaded vest, but that sounds like a vest made out of fabric that has beads on it, but this vest is actually just a patchwork of beads. A, a, not a patchwork, uh, like a trellis of beads. I like that. Yeah. He's dressed what I think a straight man would think is sexy on men for women. That is exactly how he's dressed. In Maldus's mind palace, John is trying to stay far enough away from Crace that he doesn't get attacked, but close enough to Crace that he can talk some sense into him. He's trying to explain to him that, you know, they're not each other's enemy. Maldus is the enemy. And Crace is like, nope, gonna grab this pike and come at you instead. So, of course, John grabs a pike to defend himself. I mean... John, you don't really know that Maldus is the enemy. I mean, I guess you can get that from the fact that his name is he, Maldus. Also, he kidnapped the two of you. John went with him willingly. At what point does that turn into a kidnapping? Well, John was following the jester guy and then he got zapped into the mind palace. I don't think that counts. So, they're fighting with these weird pike things that are just sort of around the mind palace. John grabs one to defend himself. Well, I mean, they were clearly there... For this very reason. Yes. I do like that John's whole thing was, if I can just talk to Crace, I can talk sense into him. And Maldus is kind of taunting him with, you can still talk to him. Talk away, John. Because John, John. Do your little bard thing now, John. Yeah, he, he goes to Maldus, like he runs over to Maldus and he's like, I thought you said you were going to help me talk things out. And he's like, yeah, I, I opened communications. It's your ball game from here, boyo. I facilitated this encounter. Right as we're going to commercial, we see Crace slice John with the pike thing. And then when we come back from commercial, we see John's body where Xan is tending to him. And now he has a cut on his hand where Crace cut him. So we know if you die in the mind palace, you die in real life. Is Maldus the dream sorcerer? That was another reference to our charmed podcast. I mean, he is though. Yeah. Well, he's a better actor than the Dream Sorcerer. Like, like there's a like there's any chance he could have been worse. <laughs> so, Lyco decides to fill everyone in on what's going on, which is that Maldus is an evil sorcerer who came to the planet and grabbed half the people and sucked out all of their life force, and everybody else is basically stuck on the planet doing whatever he wants. He's basically Jasmine if Jasmine was less good at her job. Jasmine, the big bad from Angel season five. Less good because Maldus has succeeded. Yeah, but I mean, Jasmine would have been, were it not for, well, actually, if it weren't for Fred, Jasmine would have had everyone not rebelling against her. Oh, that's true. Although, Maldus, see, Maldus is a victim of his hunger. Mm. Because, basically, he's got everyone on the planet subjugated and doing whatever he wants at this point. But when these new people landed on the planet... Their emotions are so much stronger because they're not all subjugated. So he couldn't resist and he had to capture one of them. And if he hadn't, if he had just let them buy their cough syrup and go home, he'd still be fine. Lyco says that before Maldus showed up, he was a high priest. And Xan, oh my god, such a bitch. Xan is like, you? Yeah, what the fuck, Xan? judgy much? Lyco explains that he led an attack against Maldus that he was trying to resist and Maldus was like, 
nope, I'm going to defeat you, and then instead of killing you, I'm going to make you be a shopkeeper because and strip you of all your powers because that amuses me more than killing you. You know, like supervillains do and always leads to their downfall. Unless it's Wanted, which... The book, not the movie. Gotcha. Did you ever read Wanted? Yeah, like, ages ago. I really remember nothing from it. It feels like... I think it's Mark Millar wrote it. I'm not sure. It feels like a Mark Millar thing. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. I think it is Mark Millar. But it really just feels like him doing a dry run for Old Man Logan. Because it's literally the same plot. Except in this case, it... It's, uh... Wait, does Old Man Logan have, uh... Assassin Guilds? No, but neither did Wanted the comic. Oh, is that just from the movie? I thought that part was from the comic, too. No, the the plot of Wanted the comic book... Uh-huh. Uh, is that all, like, one day all of the supervillains team up, kill all of the superheroes, almost all of the superheroes, most of the superheroes... And then uh, use a combination of magic and super science to rewrite the world so that nobody uh, remembers. Right, right. Wanted the movie had to put in the Guild of Assassins because they didn't want it to be a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. If you don't want it to be a superhero movie, maybe don't pick a book whose premise involves superheroes. Yeah. And of course, later he'd do the same thing with Old Man Logan, which has basically the same plot, except without the rewriting the world so people forgot there were superheroes thing. Ugh, Old Man Logan. But, like, the main bad guy of Wanted, he was, like, a Joker-esque figure. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a bit where you find out that uh, they killed most of the superheroes, but they kept their Batman and Robin analogs alive. And they're basically, they rewrote the world so that they were Adam West and Burt Ward. And he has them, like, he feeds them to a shark at the end because he's like, I wanted wanted this to be, uh, I wanted you to have your moment where you could prove... You know, that maybe part of the old you is still there, or if part of the old you is still there, that you can see what's about to happen and you can die knowing that I'm better than you. So I instinctually don't want to like that, mm-hmm. but I do like that they were eaten by sharks. It might have been a squid or something. It's been a while. Just because of the classic shark repellent bit from the 60s Batman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Wanted is not a good book. It's... I just, I, I have, I have immense hatred towards Old Man Logan because of... The She-Hulk thing? What they did to She-Hulk in it. Which I'm not even going to talk about. I'm just going to, just going to register my hatred and move on with this show. A show I love. Mark Millar is good if you were a very, very edgy teenager. I feel like that's the only time you can read his books. Yeah, that's probably true. Because, dear God, do they come off as... I hate using these words but i'm going to edgy and try hard yeah what if the villains won man and and you could do whatever you want what you wanted to do was shoot people and then have sex with the people you shot and then have sex with them after they die and then have sex with the guns and then shoot the guns and then have sex with the holes you shot in the guns okay so this is going to be a weird transition because we're talking about this and now i'm going to talk about aaron who i love so very very much even though Aaron is, right now, being the epitome of my gun is my skill set. Mm. Because Lyco is talking about how, essentially, it's impossible to defeat Maldus. And she's like, well, have you tried shooting him? Because I have a gun. And I'll just shoot him. I do really love Aaron here. And Lyco is like, 
do you think we didn't try that? And she's like, I don't know, you're into the same hippie garbage Zan's into. I'm going to get my gun and shoot him. And he's like, you're going to lose. He's a space wizard. And she's like, well, then I'm going to lose while shooting him. She's like, well, maybe your gun wasn't big enough. Aaron really thinks Maldus is like the judge here from that Buffy episode. Where she's like, he can't be defeated by any weapon. Well, have you tried a bigger weapon? I love the resolution to the judge thing. Because technically, technically... It's still, like, she did not kill the judge. He didn't He didn't die, he was just dispersed. Yes, into lots of little chunklets that couldn't do anything because there were too many of them. Like, like Osiris. Yeah, Oz literally points out, like, they're moving. Yeah. So they just put them in a bunch of Tupperware and then bury it far away from each other. Like, like the Egyptian god Osiris. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a neat solution because, yeah, no weapon forged of man can kill him, but it can render him... Meaningless? Yeah. <laughs> you have been rendered moot. So, Maldus is mocking John. He's like, oh, I thought you wanted to talk. Why are you hiding from him, little bleedy, bleeding man? And John's like, you're not being helpful. And he's like, I'm not trying to be helpful. He's really not. I, I like how, I I mean, I know, I know you said he's not a troll, really, but he is really a troll. Like... Oh no, he's he's being a more effective troll now. John's trying to reason with him and he's he's literally doing concern trolling right now. He's like, "Hey, Crace is a problem in your life. You have to deal with it. Go deal with it. I'm just worried about you." Yeah. Again, this is why they should have just cut the good wizard thing because he's far more effective as just Maldus. He really really is. So Aaron and Dargo have returned to the ship with John's body, which they leave in Rigel's care. God, could they have cut all of the Rigel stuff? Yeah. So they leave John's body with Rigel, and then they go to grab their biggest guns to go back down to the planet. Couldn't even look at the screen during this. It's so gross. Rigel's... Yeah, because he's got, like, a cold, so they have, like, mucus all over the puppet. It's really, really hard to look at. Well, and then and then Dargo, like, gives him an ointment that's supposed to make him better, and so they spread more goo on the puppet. It's like, after this was done, I... Think they probably needed a new puppet. Yeah. That's just really gross. But they're leaving John's meat suit with Rigel, which... Why would you do that? It seems like such a bad idea. I mean, they don't really have another choice. and They don't they really think... They could leave Dargo of... up there? What's no. he gonna do? He's gonna fire his sword gun at Maldus. Oh, God. So... Honestly, they should have just left John's body in Pilot's room. Yeah, Pilot actually would have done a better job looking out for John than Rigel. That's... That's true. That's true. Rigel's useless. Yeah. He's like the Dargo of this show. Down on the planet, we're finally getting into Zan's plot. Yes, finally. Like 11 million minutes in. Lyco is telling her... She's telling Lyco that they should combine their powers, and that they should fight, and that they should destroy Maldus. And he... He negs her. He's like, you're only a ninth level Pau. You don't have... The power to do it. Also, you don't have the intent to do it. You're too peace-loving. And then she, like, grabs him by the face and lets him know that before she was a priestess, she was a fucking anarchist. He's 12th level, right? Like, he said, he's like, I was a 12th level and he took me down. I am not sure what he says. I don't know that he says what level he is. He does reference it. Uh, 12th level at some point, because I'm like, okay, so we know they at least go up to 12. Oh, you're right, he does. He does say that. Yeah. Uh, they go much higher than 12, because I get the feeling Xan is only mid-level, and she's 9. 
Later on in this show, she will actually level up to 10. She'll actually say the phrase, I've leveled up. Oh my. It's very video gamey of you, Zan. Yeah. So, in the Mind Palace, Grace and John are fighting hand-to-hand while Maldus watches and enjoys it. And John starts trying to make his really, really good points, which is, Hey, you've seen my ship, right? You know that it's a piece of junk. You know that it's primitive earth junk. I couldn't possibly have taken out your brother's prowler on purpose. I mean, you know? And during this, he is making short work of Krace. Like, Krace has him at a disadvantage for, like, a second. And then John's like, oh, wait, I can't make my argument if I'm... Dead? Yeah. So he just beats the shit out of Krace using the pike... And then knocks him down, holds him at point, point, and he's like, look, I didn't kill your brother. It was an accident. We need to get over this and fight Maldus. Maldus is the big bad here, and Maldus is like, oh, no, whatever shall I do if the two of you team up against me? <laughs> yeah. In Leiko's shop, Leiko tells Zan that he doesn't believe she has the will to hurt someone, so he wants her to kill the little bird thing. Yeah, he tells her that he knows that Maldus is going to be coming for her and for the rest of them, and she either needs to get prepared to fight or she needs to leave, and he wants to see if she can use her power to fight. Why don't you hurt the adorable little bird puppet from before? I think this is an important moment for Zam because she needs to be convinced by being told that Maldus is not going to stop with John, implying that if all she had to sacrifice was John, she probably wouldn't be willing to go to that dark part of her. See, this is why you don't do favors for Rigel. <laughs> what? Oh, you mean getting the medicine? Yeah. If they hadn't needed to get the medicine for Rigel, this wouldn't have been something they would have had to deal with. So she tries to hurt the bird thing, but she she emotionally can't. And she's like, I, I'm just not capable of this. And he's like, uh, clearly you are capable of this. You've just shut out all of your emotions and she's like i have my emotions under control and he's like no 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 you have them blocked away that's not having them under control a good distinction he also points out that she's afraid and she says she's a pa'u she's not afraid of things which just kind of ties back to the whole suppressing an emotion is not controlling that emotion Yeah, he tries to force her to admit that she's afraid of Maldus. Instead, she's forced to admit that what she's afraid of is going dark and becoming Dark Zan. John and Krace are herded into uh, the fire pit room to continue their fighting. How much psychic energy do you think it's taking to manifest this realm? Or do you think it's just like a really easy thing for psychic magical telepaths to do? I think it's easy and also I think... It becomes easier the more John and Crace have emotions inside there, like their emotions are powering it, which is why it turns into a giant fire room uh, when when John and Crace show up. I mean, I say it turns into a fire room. John takes a torch from off of the wall and throws it into the center of the room, which was apparently made of gasoline because it goes just up in flames. And John is like, hey, guess what? I learn, and I learned that you're a sebation and you don't deal well with heat, so, uh... I do really like this, and I do really like John pointing out, he's like, I kicked your ass when you didn't have this massive heat disadvantage. What do you think's gonna happen now? 
we need to team up for Maldus. Bard powers, bard powers. And Grace is like, you don't understand how deep my hate goes. I mean, Grace is a giant saving throw against John's bard powers. Like, heightened by the fact that he's he's on a mission of revenge. And then John repeats literally the same things he said earlier about how he was in a weaker ship and blah, blah, blah. What do you think happened? Maldus, <laughs> Maldus shows up after John's, you know impassioned defense and is like oh john i almost believed you but then i didn't which is not helpful i know he's not trying to be helpful but then he shows john grace's backstory in order to i love grace's facial expressions throughout this he shows john grace's daddy yes yes he he shows a a projection of grace's father Sending two young boys off with the peacekeepers. Two young boys who are Crace and Crace's brother. The uh, dad has a real Robert Zadarish quality to him. Who's that? Oh, uh, he's like this Z-level movie guy with a massive, massive chin. Gotcha. We learn now that Crace and Crace's brother, unlike Aaron, were not raised in a peacekeeper Crace, raised from birth to be soldiers. Instead, they were raised on a farm with their father. And that they were taken by the peacekeepers when they were children. And all of a sudden, John has, like, all of this sympathy for him. And Crace is like, fuck your sympathy! Yeah, Crace is like, I don't care if you feel bad for me, you're about to feel dead for me! Well, the next thing Maldus does is make Crace's brother as an adult appear in his, like, flight suit... And be all happy and excited to see him. He's like, hey, brother, I'm so glad you're the captain and I'm a pilot in your command. Chris's brother, by the way, can get it. He is cute. He definitely is. I mean, he was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Until Maldus has him burst into flame and turn into a charred skeleton just to fuck with Chris. Poor Chris. This is this is not a... It can't be healthy to see. No. And Chris runs at John and bounds over the flames the flames which by the way are way too wide for a human to bound over and yet he does well he's no human he's a sebation fair no that's fair that's fair and then maldus i know that maldus is like a psychic vampire who's just trying to get them worked up so he can feed on their energies but he does say to john like now you understand he's never going to stop hunting you and that's a real favor he's doing for john Like, now you know. You can't use your bard skills on him. You can't talk him out of killing you. You can't reason with him. Yeah, Maldus doesn't seem great at this because John kind of says, like, oh, okay, this isn't a a situation I can reason my way out of. I'm going to leave. And he runs out of the mind palace and Maldus is like, no. Well, I mean, he runs out of the room he's in. He's still trapped in the mind palace. Yeah, which I don't get why Maldus. That seems like an overreaction from Maldus then. He's just really hammy. He's just hamming it up. Oh no, my plan has not been foiled at all. Okay, so now to make a Q comparison, even though I said that he's not comparable with Q. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the episode that you didn't watch all of, Encounter at Farpoint, Q flings the Enterprise far out into the galaxy, essentially creating their first encounter with the Borg. Mm-hmm. And... What a dick. Right. But in later episodes and in some of the novels, 
people will argue that what Q did was actually good for humanity because it let us know what was out there and it let humanity start preparing to deal with the Borg so that they aren't overrun when we, you know, naturally reach them. Mm. So it's the same thing here with Maldus, right? And it's not like he has good intentions, but John knows now any idea he had in his head that he could just talk Crace out of this is gone. Back on the planet, uh, outside of his outside of his place, Aaron and Dargo are just standing there with their guns, like shooting at the door. And Dargo says it's protected by some sort of evil spell. And Aaron's like, "Magic isn't real, dickass." Which, really, really, Aaron, really. I mean, believe the evidence of your eyes, Aaron. But this is mostly just to establish that Dargo believes in mysticism. It's pretty great because she's like, okay, if he's protected by magic, by magic, what can uh, hurt him? And Zan's like, me. Yeah, Zan shows up and she's like, I'm the only one who can defeat him. I need to defeat him with my Pau powers. And Aaron's like, awesome. Okay, you take lead then. I'll flank you. Go kill him. And Zan's all like, but I don't know if I can because it might unlock a darkness within me. And... Aaron's like, okay, here's the key. Unlock the darkness. Let's go do this thing. Yeah, Aaron Aaron doesn't really have time for this whole moral wiffle waffling. Yeah. I mean, Dargo has a little time for it. He's all like, this is the lesser evil, which... I mean, it is. Yeah, of course. And Zan's all like, good. Now whatever I do, I can say you made me do it. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point, because I was like, oh yeah, now that you've got Dargo's permission, you're going to go in there and kill some dude. But I'm like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's exactly what she's doing. She's trying to get as morally unculpable as she can. In the Mind Palace, John is kind of skulking around trying to avoid both Maldus and Crace. That's Maldus's Mind Palace, dude. And you, you have limited opportunities. Yeah. He, he finds Crace, but Crace is in like... He sees him through a crack in a hallway and Crace is on another hallway so he can't reach him. And he's like, hey, fighting is just what Maldus wants us to do. Crace is like, good, it's what I want too. He's like, I'm not going to fight you because it's just making Maldus more powerful. And Crace is like, good, that'll make it easier for me to kill you. John is doing his best. John, you know, just as I was making fun of Aaron who, you know, Aaron only has one weapon, and that's her gun, so everything looks like a target. Whereas John only has one weapon, and that's his his sweet, sweet bardic charm. So everything looks like something that can be charmed. He literally doesn't know what to do with someone who cannot be charmed. For the third time this episode, he explains that he didn't mean to kill Grace's brother, that it was an accident. And finally, Grace is sick of it, too. So Grace is like, yeah, it doesn't matter if it was an accident. In fact... That makes it worse, because you're not even, like, a warrior. It can't even be like, oh, my brother went to war. This is what happens in war. No, I'm supposed to go home to my father farmer and tell him, oh, hey, Dad, sorry. I know I was supposed to protect my brother, but no. I let I let a guy from a species that hasn't even figured out intergalactic travel yet accidentally run over him. So, yes, Maldus just kind of knocks out Chris and he's like, Okay, John, you're not as stupid as I thought you were. You're not giving me the emotional energy I need from you. So, you know, I'm just gonna 
I'm going to avoid people away so I can explain my motivation. I'm not going to kill... I didn't just kill you because I also feed off of, as you figured out, negative emotion energy. Why is he explaining this to him? John just said this. Well, yeah, it's true. He tells John that he's right. And John's like, well, kill me and feed off my life force that way. And Maldus is like, no, no, I need you to fight. That thing you just said I need to do. That thing you were just literally explaining to Crace is actually my deal. I feed off life energy, but I also feed off anger energy. Well, I mean, Maldus's goal here was to get John to stop trying to talk with Craze and get him to start fighting. That's his goal. So, you know, in, in screenwriting and in, in improv and acting and things like that, it's like, you always want to know what a person's goal is, right? So Maldus's goal right now is make John pick up a sword and try to kill Craze. Mm. So that's that's his motivation. So, Zan goes to talk to Lyco and is like, alright, let's do this. Let's combine our energies and use our psychic forces to kill a guy with our brain. And Lyco's like, you know what? This bird puppet's too cute. I want to you I want you to use your brain power to hurt Rigel. And Zan's like, oh my god, why didn't you say so in the first place? Yeah, one would think that you would want her to hurt something she has negative emotions towards. I mean, we're being mean, but no, that is what she does. She 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 sends psychic energy up. She she combines essences with Lyco and sends pain beams into Rigel, who's in space. Yeah, she tells him that she can't send pain that far, but he's like, no, that's the whole thing, right? We combine our powers, and then we become more powerful. With our powers combined. Exactly. And then they do this thing where they both put their hands on each other's chests. And I guess that's how their essences mingle. And Xan is able to send pain up to Rigel, which is really mean. As, as annoying as Rigel's being this episode, it's really mean. But that's what she does. Yeah. I, I told you when we were watching this episode that this thing they're doing with the hands on each other's chests looks very similar to the thing that... Zan's going to do later that's sex, although that involves touching forehead to forehead. Mm. So she does it. She hurts Rigel, and, I mean, the real thing that's unlocked is, as Zan admits, part of her enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, back on Krace's ship, they're scanning him, and his, his meat body is fine, but his brain spirit is missing. Yeah. And the other soldiers are like, hey, Lieutenant... Uh, as second in command, you should uh, take over and be in charge because that's how peacekeepers work. Yep, throw, throw Crace into the meat grinder and put us back on course. And sadly, she's like, nope, my loyalty is to Crace, so I'm not going to do that. Back on the planet, Aaron realizes that if she overloads the pulse rifle, it will explode, and then maybe that explosion will be enough to blow the door open. By the way, the first time we saw someone overloading a weapon to cause an explosion... It was John. Yes. Do you remember the episode? Oh, oh, it was the last episode the director did. The writer did. The writer did. Yeah, it was in Throne for a Loss. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, callbacks. So, Aaron's like, I, I mean, I was joking about it earlier, but she thinks, oh, wait, I just need a bigger explosion. And Maldus, who is a psychic vampire, so he can sense everything that's happening everywhere on the planet, is like, oh, shoot, that might actually work. So, he... Uses his powers to fling the rifle away from Aaron and then grab Aaron and Dargo. And just freeze them in red energy. 
yeah, just hold him for a second. Just hold them there while he deals with Crace, and then he can figure out what he wants to do about them. Meanwhile, John is having the same conversation with Crace about how Maldus wins if they fight each other. Well, okay, I love this, though, because John is like, let's just call a truce until we get away from Maldus, and then we can go back to fighting each other. And Crace is like, very well, I agree to a truce. And because John was raised on this, like, honorable warrior fiction, he's like, good. That's good. But instead, Grace is like, good, I've drawn you out into the open, now I will kill you! Yeah, he says, on my oath as a peacekeeper, and then as soon as they're in the same pit. I do love John's skittering. Well, Grace picks up the nearest weapon, which is a chain. So he's trying to whip John with a chain. I'm trying. He successfully is whipping John with a chain. And, and to be fair to Crace, his oath as a peacekeeper was that he would avenge his brother's death. Revenge! How bad is Crace as a warrior race guy? John has kicked his ass so many times over the course of this episode. I mean, honestly, John has just been holding back. And finally, Maldus gets what he wants. John is like, okay, fuck it. Fuck it. John's gonna pick up a weapon, I guess. Except, like... He's already picked up several weapons. Okay, but he's only used them defensively so far. He needs to pick up a weapon and use it offensively, which we'll see if he does. Because first we're going to go back to Moya for a really aggravating plot where, I I mean, I say plot. It's like one scene. And this is a scene they could have cut. So easily. It's such a pointless thing where... Rigel basically gives John the Hynerian death rites, and then it's supposed to be a comedic scene because he's, like, doing the Hynerian death rites, and then he's like, oh, but stay out of Hynerian heaven because I don't want to have to run into you there. And, and then he's like, okay, now that I've given you the death rites, I claim right to all your shit because that's my character. Wah, 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 wah. They could have cut that scene. Yeah. It, it's the sort of thing where you're like, if the show could be as long as they wanted it to be, like, if they didn't have to think about how much time it needed to fill, I don't think the scene would be here. I think you're right. But back in Maldus's Mind Palace, this scene I do think would be there. Because I love this scene. So mm. I, I hope it would be there. The chain whipping at John and, like, wrapping around him caused him to dislocate his shoulder. So now he and Maldus are alone, and John is dealing with this dislocated shoulder. And Maldus tells a story that he knows from, from John's brain which is that John, when he was a kid, like in his teens or 20s, was in a motorcycle accident when he was alone, and he dislocated his shoulder, and he had to pop it back in by himself so that he could get home. And I just love that story about John because we've seen him be the smart guy and we've seen him be the charming guy. It's good to know that he can be the physical guy. Mm. And Maldus is, this is very like, last temptation of Christ here, where Maldus is trying to make a deal with John, telling John that if he kills Crace, Maldus will just let John go, but John Isn't knows an better. idiot? Yeah. Like, you you lured him to this ship, or you lured him to this mind palace under false pretenses. Why would he have any reason to believe you? Yeah. I mean, John decides at this point that he's going to fight, but... I feel like he's fighting not so much because Maldus has talked him into it, but because he's like, oh my god, you know what, we're just going to fight till one of us dies because everything else is torture at this point. This is the bad place. So, 
it is a good thing that John has kept him distracted this long because Liko and Zan are finally ready to combine their powers and take out Maldus. John is kind of limping. I guess he hurt his ankle too. We did see the chain go around his ankle. Yeah. So he's popped his shoulder back into place, but he is limping. And he makes his way to the throne room part of the Mind Palace. And Maldus does this, like, MC thing where he's like, John, let me present Captain Crace. And then he makes one of the doors open dramatically. And now, Crace. Yes. And then Crace comes through and... Now it's fighting time, and you can tell because the camera zooms in super tight on both of their faces. Oh no, is John going to be able to beat up the guy he's beat up four times in this episode? Without trying, now that he's trying? We've been talking a lot about Buffy in this episode, but I I really feel like this is reminding me of any, if anything, of the end of Buffy season two. Uh, John doesn't know it, but really all he has to do is keep Crace fighting until... Zan and Lycos cast their spell. Uh, yeah. Zan is Willow casting the reinsoling angel spell. Uh, Crace is Angel trying to kill John, who is Buffy. And I guess that would mean that. Maldus is a. Uh, either Angelus or a Cathla, depending on your thoughts on this. A Cathla. Yeah, totally. Oh, I just want to point out because when they're fighting in the throne room, there are some tables set up with food around the edges of the throne room, because that's what throne rooms have, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I just, I keep being distracted by the fact that there is a cocombouche on one of the tables, because it's such a random thing to have. <laughs> Look at this French aristocratic dessert that we also have laid out on this alien planet. I do love how, like, Crace rushes John, and John basically immediately chokes him out. Yeah, so John has the upper hand, he's, like, got his thumbs in Crace's eyes, and he's got his arm around his neck, and then Maldus is like, bored now, and transports Crace back to his ship. Which, I I like how they made, like, Ben Browder is very sweaty to make it look like it was a big fight, but it was basically just Crace charged in, and John immediately started choking him. Yeah. Crace is not a threat at all to John. Well, so what Maldus tells John is that Now he's transported Crace to his ship and just set him off. And he tells John that Crace was actually considering returning to command when he received that message from High Command. I don't feel like that jives with what we saw, but okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, Maldus, but really not seeing that. I mean, Maldus says that now that Crace has, like, seen John face to face and John has tried three times to convince him not to kill him... Crace will never stop hunting him? Again, I don't... I feel like he was already on the Ahab track, but whatever you need to say to feel like you were effective, Maldus. You know? Whatever whatever you need to say. So, I don't get this. Maldus was talking about how this was never about John or Crace, but it was about getting Crace's ship so that he could spread his evil across the universe, which I feel like you could just use any ship that landed there. Come on. Well, okay, so the idea is that now that he's pursuing John, he'll go deeper into the Uncharted Territories, which they're already pretty deep into the Uncharted Territories. The idea is that this will make it easier for Maldus to grab his ship. Again, it was already easy for Maldus to grab his ship. This really feels like rationalizing that you actually had an effect after the fact, but... Whatever. No, I, I meant to do everything. that I meant for everything to happen the way it did. Seriously. 
All according to plan! It's all according to plan! Exactly. Exactly. John picks up a knife and tries to stab Maldus, but of course Maldus is just like an energy being, so he just like energies away and then starts to use his energy power to drain John's life force. He's like, yep, yeah, I'm just gonna eat you now, for, and then maybe a light snack for dinner. And Zan's like, you took your eye off the lady! Yeah. Like, I love how she has not been interacting with him at all. Like, well, she wasn't there. She teleports there. Yeah, no. She, like, her body falls down and she zaps into his mind palace. But I love how he spent all of this time focusing on John and not the major, major, major threat to him. Which, you know, is Zan. Yeah, Zan transports behind Maldus into the palace. She, like, does some weird energy thing to his brain and then she's like, he's physical now, John. You can kill him now. And John, like, shoves him and he discorporates. Yeah. And then John and Zan pass out because that was, like, a lot of work. But I guess their brains are back in their bodies because John wakes up on the ship and is like, hey, Rigel, stop stealing my stuff, you little shit. Well, Rigel was trying to shove him out of one of Moya's air tube like he was trying to push his body into an incinerator into space or something and he's like oh i tried to stop them but they wanted me to get rid of your body i knew you'd come back and ben browder's like oh i'm handsome he he says that he feels like dorothy waking up at the end of the movie even though he's still in space he's still not in kansas and then he calls rigel toto which he will do again Mm. and he just sort of falls back laughing Meanwhile, Zan wakes up to a dead-ass boyfriend. Yeah, well, I mean, Lyco's dying because it took all of his energy to do the thing. And she's all like, no, we were gonna bone. And he's like, revenge is better than boning. No one tell Crace that. (laughs) Look at my torso. If this was filmed later, I'd probably have abs. Yeah, I mean, he looks fine. He just doesn't have Marvel abs because he's not, like, killing himself. Yes, but he... Dies. No, he's really dead. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Maldus is discorporated, but no, Lyco's dead. No more Lyco. Oh, I thought Lyco came back later. Maldus comes back later. Oh. Yeah. Lyco dies. He's like, uh, at least you killed that guy who ruined my life. Blech. Hey, there are worse last actions to take. Speaking of. Oh, my God. Okay, so back on the command carrier. Lieutenant Orr is like, hey, Crace, glad you're awake. I uh, totally kept them from deposing you. And also, nobody knows that High Command called and told you to turn back. Nobody outside of this chamber, no one other than the two of us knows that we're not supposed to be doing this anymore. That we're, that we're not supposed to be chasing John. And then he fucking kills her. He, like, snaps her neck. Okay, where was all that when you were fighting John? Seriously, right? Like, he does it really easily. Well, John's not in love with him. Lieutenant Orr was obviously in love with him. Yeah. So, he has his little from hell's heart I stab at you moment. And then it feels like the episode should end there, but it doesn't. Well, we have to wrap things up on Moya. We have to do the wrap-up scenes. Do we? Yes, we do. We do. Okay? Because the first wrap-up scene is Aaron and Zan and Dargo in the halls of Moya. And Aaron's like... Hey, Zan, you know what? I am so sorry that I called you weak. You are totally a badass warrior. And then Zan, like, goes off to cry. And Dargo tells Aaron, Aaron, calling her a warrior, that that's a huge insult. You couldn't have wounded her 
You couldn't have possibly wounded her more deeply. And in a normal show, this would be a thing where Aaron's like, oh no. But this isn't a normal show, so Aaron goes, eh, and walks off. It is great. Claudia Black has such great comic timing. I just, I love the, eh. I, I, honestly, it, it, lasts a, it lasts a fraction of a second. And it's my favorite Claudia Black facial expression on this whole show. And then we get John wrapping up by talking into a tape recorder. We haven't seen this in a long time, but the idea is he's talking to his dad in the tape recorder. Oh, okay. So he's telling his dad, hey, I tried to talk to Chris, and uh, he was not having it, so now I think I'm going to have to kill him, and I don't want to be a guy who kills people, so. A little late on that front, dude. Sucks to be me. Uh, Zan comes in, and he's like, boy, you look about as cheerful as I do. And she's like, yeah, I, I killed a guy. And he's like, well, technically I killed the guy. And she's like, really, John? Really? I like this because they're having the same conversation. You know, John was worried about how he's going to have to kill Crace and be a killer. And, and Zan's all like, yeah, I had to be a killer today. And John's she, like, but I punched the guy. All you did was throw weird brain magic at him. And she's like, I killed him, John. Me. Yeah. Zan's all like, I awoke the darkness in me. And now there's no turning back. I am evil now. And John's like, really? And then she kind of shoves him using brain powers. Yep, she uses her brain powers to throw him against the wall. And everyone's collectively like, oh shit, we're all going to have to deal with that. Spoiler alert, no we aren't. Yeah, that would have been a cool thing to see more of, but eh. I know, the direction they go is in instead, I'm not a fan of, but you know what? Let's just enjoy this moment where it's like, holy shit. Zan took a dark turn. Yeah, like, she apologizes for using her brain magic against him, and she huffily huffs off, and he's kind of... John sort of just stares into the camera for a little bit, and then the episode ends. Yeah, it it ends on a real, like, foreboding note. Like, can you come back from this? Yes. Yes, you can. I... Okay. Yeah, I guess so. I will say that nobody particularly covers themselves in glory in the opening scenes of the next episode but we'll get to that next time so i really like this episode a lot except it did the thing that frustrates me like we could have cut down two of the john craze scenes could have straight cut those could have had basically none of the rigel stuff and the episode would have flowed so much better. This could have been a half-hour episode, it's true. Or, instead of being a half-hour episode, we could have spent more time with uh, Zan and Lyco. We could have delved more into Zan's backstory. Which we we should have. Like, we literally just watched this episode, but it wasn't until talking about it that I realized how relatively little of the episode it takes up. Yeah. Like, the thing last, uh, last episode we did with Rigel, where... Oh, yeah, I think of it as being a much bigger part of the story, but yeah, it it was hardly anything. Yeah. Well, next time is going to be DNA Mad Scientist. Ooh, we've been building up to this for quite some time. I do like this episode. The plot description from Google Play is, A scientist extracts DNA from several of Moya's crew, promising them that with it he will be able to find the locations of their home planets. Conflict arises when he asks for a sample from Pilot. Ooh. I remember really liking that episode, too. That is not an accurate description of the episode. But it's interesting. I think that that might be the last episode I actually watched with you. Um, actually, I was just looking at that. Hold on. The episode after DNA Mad Scientist is the last episode we watched together. So after we're done with that one, 
the next one will have well, the next one we'll have is they've got a secret and after that it's going to be all virgin episodes for you all episodes you've never seen wow yeah so uh, i believe that it is time for our segments yeah so our first segment is a distant part of the universe which is what in this episode felt really alien to you and was really helped to world build an alien world Okay, so I'm going to go obvious here, the two-headed bird thing. I mean, obviously. It's awesome because it's a cool puppet. You know what? I'm going to cheat. That's also my thing for the next segment. Hmm. It's awesome because it's a cool puppet, a cool two-headed bird puppet. And it's awesome because John is entranced because it's got two heads, but it turns out two heads are puny. And also, it's not a pet. It's food. Like, everything about it makes sense, but it's just a little alien. Like, it's not completely foreign it's just you're a little on your back heels you know you're a little in the uncanny valley Hmm. which is kind of what you want if you want something to feel truly alien yes and i tipped my hand because our next segment is strange alien creatures which is talking about puppets or alien costuming that you really liked in the episode i mean i really liked uh lycos yeah i normally different like alien skin stuff it can come off pretty bad i i I love virginia hayes's xan makeup and this did feel sort of like an extension of that it felt more natural than it has felt on other aliens in the sort of yeah i he was a good space thing seems weird to say no they they do do a good job with the body paint in this show which is good because they use a lot of it and then our final segment is looking for a way home which is what in this episode spoke to you on an emotional level. I really like Zan struggling with the darkness inside her. I really wish that had been more of a thing for the rest of the show, since it's apparently not. Yeah, I, I did like that. I really liked the final scene with John and and Zan. Um, both before Zan comes in, where John is trying to struggle with, will he be able to kill a person? Yes. And then... <laughs> And then when Zan comes in and he wants to comfort her, but he can't because she is in the throes of darkness right now. He killed all those bugs. Those were basically babies. He accidentally murdered a bunch of babies. I feel like morally he's already kind of gone down a steep hill there. He accidentally killed two two babies. Who does he think he is? David and Mary Margaret? Uh To go back to our Once Upon a Time podcast. Oh, poor John. So I think that does it for this week. Yeah, that'll about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of our supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, Javier, and Benjamin. Uh, If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode of any TV show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television. We can also be contacted at ILoveTVZines on Twitter, or at ILoveTelevisionZines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Mm